Today, Republicans failed to take back the Senate. Maricopa County still has hundreds of thousands of ballots left. Nothing to see here, guys. And Pfizer and Moderna are investigating vaccine-induced myocarditis. <laughs> There's so many things I have to say on that. But we've got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez and I am joined today by Stuber Gear, host of Stu Does America, which you, yeah, I know, you watch it on Blaze TV, but you should also be subscribed to it on YouTube. Yeah. And also everywhere you can Create a bunch of fake accounts and subscribe multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> um, also joined by Alex Stein, of course. I mean, he's a Blaze TV host. He doesn't have a show yet. Not yet. It's but on we're working the, on it. It's on the horizon. We're working on it. Uh, so <laughs> it is prime time with Alex Stein. We're excited to see it. That was the biggest thing that happened on election night was that announcement. Ah, uh, well, I mean, it, it was kind of a lackluster election night. But let me tell you something. The primetime Alex Stein show will not be lackluster. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody had any doubts of that, mm -hmm. Alex. Um, all right. So I want to get to the speaking of election night um, over the weekend. Decision Desk HQ called the Nevada Senate race for Democrat Catherine Cortez Masto over, of course, Republican Adam Laxalt. Um, this was uh, this was one that was kind of it was very, very close. Laxalt held the lead for a while. But um, last week, Nevada election officials were reportedly flooded with mail in ballots, causing the delay in uh, election results. So as it stands now, it is 50 Democrats, 49 Republicans. And, um, you know, so they've already got that majority there, especially with the well, with the, the tiebreaker in the VP. But we won't know, of course, the Walker Warnock results until the runoff, which is, have they, is it in December? December 6th. December 6th. God, that's quick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Last time it was, it was in January. January so yeah. they moved it up this time. I don't know which, I don't know which one's better. I mean, it seems like if you really want to run off, you could do an instant runoff and it would be done the same night. Uh, that's a crazy idea, but right. um, I guess this is the way they've been doing it for a long time. Though, that would so. be cool. They're yeah. like, uh, it is, uh, there's going to be a runoff. Get up here by 10 p.m. to cast a ballot. If you don't, it's over. I don't mean come back and vote. You just do it at the same time. Say like, hey, you know, like they, that's just, this is what they're attempting to do with the ranked choice voting, yeah. which, I, you know, I, sometimes can be an issue as well. But it's like, well, if you're going to have a runoff, uh, to get everyone to come back out again, it's, just, it's a real hassle. It's a real hassle. Okay, but do we want the people voting who say, you know what, it's a hassle. I don't really... I don't want to. I look. I I just think that you like. Could I just, want the people who are invested enough to show up. Yeah. Now look, this is a chance. Like runoff voting, get, like sometimes gets a. Everyone who loses it set, hates it, right? Like yeah. that's basically how it works. I tend to like the systems that that, that do that, just because I oftentimes like you know, can't stand the Republican and want to vote for a third party candidate, but feel like I'm going to waste my vote, right. mm -hmm. which is, I like that it helps that problem. But like in this case, if we just had a normal election in Georgia, you know, Walker would have lost, mm -hmm. right? He was down by about a point. So at least he has a chance here. At least we're still alive in that seat. And while it's not going to be control, as you point out, it's already right. going to be 50-50 at the best. That's a big, it is a, still a big seat. 51 for the Democrats lets them lose a mansion or, mansion, a, right? a, you know, mm -hmm. a cinema in, on, in a key vote. And, you know, going forward, looking ahead, that vote, remember, six, it's six years. So you got two election cycles where that vote is going to, that seat is going to be locked in for Herschel Walker if he's able to win it. And it, you can build on that for bigger majorities in these other elections. So it's still key. It's just not as big as we hoped it was. 
I can't wait for Herschel Walker to save our democracy. Thank you, Herschel. <laughs> um, no, but for me, the two glaring things that stick out when I saw a, this viral video, and I'm sure you guys saw, were Chuck Schumer's on the tarmac talking to Biden before it was the day after the Fetterman uh, debate, and yeah. basically he said, you know. Fetterman didn't do as bad, or it's not hurting us as bad. And he also mentioned Nevada. And at the time, you know, people were saying red wave, Nevada, conservative. And then those ballots came in. Those thousands of ballots were Lixalt. Is that how I say it? I don't even know how to Lixalt, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden he loses when he had all the momentum. So it's always a very tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. You know, my antenna goes up and these, these like hard races when these ballots come in late at night and it's such a small margin. I just, I just wish in this country we had free and fair elections that we could trust. So I, I want to I wanna kind of spin off of that because we've got, we've got the House results, uh, 212 Republicans, 204 Democrats. Um, and I don't know, I, I feel like it keeps going back and forth on what the projection is. But now, now, as of the time of this taping, according to The Daily Caller, uh, Republicans are projected to win the House after gaining seven seats. Uh, which is two more than they needed to control the chamber. But um, it's also the Arizona governor's race that's going on right now, that they're still counting all of the ballots. And now, you know, you, the election uh, staff over there in Arizona would tell you, well, we said that you weren't going to have the results that night. We said it may take a few days. Okay, mm-hmm. it's now Monday of the following week, and we still don't have the results. So, yeah, I'd say it took a couple days and, you know, maybe some Penske trucks going in and out mm-hmm. of uh, the Maricopa County, uh, you know, elections building. But um, Katie Hobbs currently is about 25,000 ballots ahead of Kerry Lake, 93 percent of the vote in. And um, I want to go f- I want to go over to uh, every time I say his name, I'm like, how is it possible that this the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors Bill chairman's Gates. name is Bill Gates? <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, what I mean, stupid what? world do we live in? How many, how many women on Tinder were incredibly disappointed when they showed up and this guy was there? It's <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. I thought we, uh, we, I was thought we were get getting a billion dollars here. You, 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 Maricopa County Board of Supervisors chairman? That's but that was their fault. They should have known when he yeah. said go to, they're going to Chili's for dinner. They should have known. It's not <laughs> the real Bill That's Gates. True. Uh, so he told CNN uh, the remaining ballots could be from anywhere in the county, and uh, they don't know where the ballots are from. Watch. Thousand of these that are actually election day votes in person, and then the rest of the 75,000 are late earlies dropped off on election day. We do not know where these are from. These could be from anywhere in the county, all 75,000. This is not picked out of a certain area. These are not pulled by precinct. Uh, and so then the, just give us the remaining universe and when we should expect those. Yes. So we're yes. now left with about 275,000 ballots to count and the lion's share the overwhelming majority of these remaining votes are early ballots that were dropped off on election day. Okay, so... You'd think those would be pro Carrie Lake votes, right? You'd think. I would just like to point out, too, uh, Rogan O'Hanley, D.C. Drano, on social media uh, posted, very interesting to me, anyway, the, the governor's race... Carrie Lake had what 1,000 one I'm sorry 1 million 185,584 votes so far. Okay, 93 percent of the votes counted. In the same race, the treasurer, mm-hmm. the, the the Republican treasurer candidate 
had 1,200, I'm sorry, 1,299,047 votes with the same percentage of votes counted. So you're telling me that more people went in there and made sure to vote for the Republican for treasurer than voted for the Republican governor? Is that is that because Carrie Lake is like there are some, you know, independents who would say like, oh, she's an election denier. We don't like her. I think I Stu has an answer to this. I mean, it looked well, like he lo- it looked, yeah, like, it looked did, like he right? had He's some like, answer because there's no answer to this. I looked at this tweet. I'm like, why would the treasurer get a, a, over 100,000 more votes? Than the than the governor, it doesn't make sense. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I didn't see this particular tweet. So, but um, it, you know, are you saying that they had more? There's more votes in that election, or there's more, there's votes. more votes just for the republic there's, where the Democrat did worse in that particular. There's race? more votes total. Yeah, both. To, I, yeah. The Repu- there's more votes total, and the Republican has more votes than the Republican treasurer has more votes than the than Carrie Lake, the Republican for governor, by about 150,000. Well, so, so that's p- theoretically explainable, right? If they just like if uh, one thing I will say about the, the the Arizona race, which is weird, is Arizona is not uh, you know Alabama, right? Arizona mm-hmm. is basically a purple state, and think of the Republicans who have done well there over the years in one statewide John election: McCain, John McCain, yeah. Jeff Flake, mm-hmm. Doug Ducey, yeah. right? Doug mm-hmm. Ducey, the governor, who you know has done some good things with school choice and stuff that I like, but is kind of thought of more as a traditional Republican. He didn't run in the primary because he thought in the primary he was going to lose, basically. But if he was on the general election, uh, you know, ge- the general ballot, he'd probably win this race handily. He's pretty popular in Arizona, but he's seen not as like as conservative as many uh, many would like. Uh, so sometimes, you know, look, I think the same thing is true in in Pennsylvania, where like a a Pat Toomey is more likely to win than a Doug Mastriano, right? It's a purple state, and sometimes you've got to pick the right candidates for the right states. Um, you know, as far as this stuff goes in these states, there's it's an interesting thing to watch because I understand, you know, every time like we no one has any confidence right now in, mm-hmm. in these election processes. And that's a huge problem. It's a bigger problem than any one of these individual races. I will say in these two states, there's some interesting stuff there where in Nevada, Laxalt lost. However, the Republican governor won there in a very close race as well. Uh, so that's some good news mm-hmm. out of Nevada. The other thing, too, is if. If the Arizona thing is is screwy, and it, you know, you never know. I want to see. I got to see evidence of it. We got to go through the legal process. I'm not an expert on that. I know there's plenty of Carrie Lake's going to have plenty of attorneys out there making mm-hmm. sure she's looking for this. So if we find the evidence, it's important that it's it's outed and and we get the right results. But uh, two key House races in Arizona are coming down to the wire, and it looks like Republicans are going to win both of them. Now, if you were stealing an election, to these two houses, these two House seats could be the entire difference in the House. Now, Democrats, of course, would love to take power wherever they could get it, but they really like to have the House. They'd have the House, the Senate. They could pass all these things all over again. We'd be back in the same situation. If they lose those two seats in the House and Kerry Lake loses, I think a lot of people are going to be like, what What the hell? If they win those two seats in the House, it's a little weird to be talking about an election fraud because they could have the House. They could win the House in Arizona. These the shadiest of shady states. The other places is California and New York. These are places that they could, if they wanted to steal elections, they could. Hopefully, this isn't what happened here, uh, but it's, it's, it's something to look at. So, uh, and Alex, I want to get your thoughts, too. But, Stu, do, do you think Carrie Lake is a good candidate? I think Carrie Lake's an excellent candidate. I think so she's, how well, does th- she not win in Arizona? Now? Right. So two, <laughs> two things. Number one, she is an excellent candidate. I think one of the best communicators we've yeah. seen in a really long time. Right. Something to be said for that. And that is a huge part of this. But also candidate profile is a big part of it. And like 
the can't the Republican that works at Arizona best is not our favorite Republican. Right. That John McCain won by 20 points every time he ran mm-hmm. like he would not. Would John McCain win a primary in the Republican Party today? I don't no. think so. I certainly wouldn't be voting for him in a Republican no. primary. Mm-hmm. So I think some of these purple states add up a little bit differently. I'm not you know, like you see that. I can't remember. Uh, there's another position there. Um, was it secretary? Uh, there's another there's another one of those statewide offices where another candidate was running ahead of Lake. But like Masters ran behind her mm-hmm. uh, by about five points. And I think this is going to wind up still being pretty close. I don't think it's out of the question that Carrie Lake comes back with the, this remaining vote. Uh, but, you know, I, I, you know, one of the things I look at to kind of summarize all my thoughts on this is the is the prediction markets, because as, especially as votes coming in, mm. people ha- putting their money on the line is not people saying, well, I think this is going to happen or listening to the campaigns who always say they're going to win. And they say it's like something like 90 percent that Carrie Lake's going to lose, which is really disappointing because, I mean, she she looked to be potentially one of the stars, uh, up, up rising star. And you could make the argument that's why, you know, this is we have to look very closely at how these elections were conducted. I, I'm not saying I'm not ruling it out. I, I want to see the evidence of it if, mm-hmm. if it exists. But I will say, like, if these same counties have these congressional districts and like they're incredibly important, more arguably more important than the governor of Arizona to the National Democratic Party to get two more years of full control in Washington would be massive. And it looks like the Republican will say Republicans going to pull out those two. And if they do. I mean, at least it's it's something you have to think about when you're talking about whether the election was real or not. Well, uh, Alex, thank God we have the secretary of state over in Arizona to manage (laughs) whether or not the election. Who's that? Who's the secretary of state in Arizona? Oh, it's actually the Democrat candidate for governor. Oh, that's great. So it's good that we have someone who we know we can trust to make sure that there is integrity in that election. And I just want to make this, you know, short point because I know Stu is, you know, giving us a lot of facts. But Katie Hobbs, (laughs) well, you guys talk about Carrie Lake. Katie Hobbs, in her own campaign video, was talking about how she was driving Uber less than two years ago. So there's no better candidate <laughs> than an ex-Uber driver yes. to run a state like Arizona that has a drug and sex trafficking problem like we've never seen in recorded history. So, Katie Hobbs, I really hope you know how to use that turn signal because you need to turn this country in the right direction. <laughs> Did you come up with that one on the fly? I did, I did. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. She is an ex-Uber driver, so good for you. Yeah, I, I know, I get that. That's a joke. Thank you. <laughs> but I just can't believe it. Why are Uber drivers winning races for governor of a, a huge state? I mean, be governor of a fake state like Rhode Island, but Arizona, like what? Our four listeners in Arizona or Rhode Island are very upset right now. But I apologize. Yeah. Uh, all right, we've got more to come, but uh, first we want to thank our sponsor, ExpressVPN. So a lot of people, when you think of Express ExpressVPN and you realize that they are making sure that uh, you're connecting securely to the internet anytime you connect. It's through this secure encrypted tunnel and people will go, well, I don't need an encrypted thing. Like, I don't, I'm not looking up porn. I'm not doing anything illegal. I don't need anything. I don't need that type of privacy and protection. Yes, you do, because these companies are taking your information. They're stealing it from you. And then they're not only are they profiting on it, but they're also using it to manipulate your search results and, uh, you know, everything like that. And then they can just give it over to the government whenever the government wants. Please, please, please don't let that happen to you. ExpressVPN will keep you protected behind that encrypted tunnel uh, so that they cannot steal your information. It's going to work on all different devices, your phone, your laptop, your tablet, even on your smart TV if you have one. And um, it's very quick. It doesn't lag. You press one button and you are protected. I have it on my phone. I use it um, on all of my devices. And uh, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free over at expressvpn.com slash why. That is expressvpn.com slash why. 
Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez uh, told CNN's Chris Wallace that she felt that her life has actually been in danger uh, due to political violence since she won her primary election back in 2018. Watch. I felt that my life has been in danger since the moment that um, I won my primary election oh, no. in 2018. Mm -hmm. And oh, I, it, no. it became especially intensified when I was first uh, brought into Congress uh, in 2019. Does it mean as oh, you no. walk down the street, as you go about your life, that you this is something on your mind that you are looking over your shoulder? Yeah. What does it mean? It means when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> oh, no. I hesitate to walk my dog. It oh, means when I come home, um, I have to ask my fiance to come out to where my car is to walk me oh, no. to just from my car to my front door. Ooh. Maybe she should advocate for gun laws <laughs> for women because it kind of makes it uh, equal footing if you have a gun. To, like I'm just saying, I don't worry when I walk to my car because I'm always carrying and I'll blow their freaking head off <laughs> if they mess with me. Maybe she should advocate for women to be able to protect themselves. I don't know. Mm. I'm just saying. Um, you know, it's interesting because we're talking a whole lot about, um, like she literally just gave a whole interview about, about her feelings. This was, this was based on nothing, right? She said that she was worried she was going to get raped uh, during January 6th, even though she wasn't even in the building. She was in another building. Um, she's constantly saying she has all of these feelings and she's very worried that people are going to attack her. And I'm just wondering at what point does she see a therapist for these feelings to be talked out because they are in no way, shape, or form rooted in reality. Yeah, Why would you think that? In 2018, from the moment she won her primary, she's right? She's extremely emotionally disturbed. Yes. Right? I mean, I think that's, I mean, she was clearly in much, much more danger walking home from her bartending gig, <laughs> right? Yes. Than she is, you know, in Congress when, you know, everyone, there's protection around her most of the time. Uh, you know, I, this comes down to the, the fact that people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, they all believe they, they're living in The Handmaid's Tale, right? Mm -hmm. Now, this is, I mean, literally a plot in The Handmaid's Tale the, uh, where, you know, women can't go outside because they might get assaulted by passing men and blah, 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 blah. Like, look, we, we've all done this. I, you know, Alex, I can't even imagine what your freaking feed looks like right now. Uh, <laughs> the amount of death threats that pour oh, into yeah. conservative mm -hmm. media hosts, it's just it's literally part of the job description yep. to, 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 to realize they're happening all the time. And look, you can, you can freak out. You can protect yourself with your, and exercise your Second Amendment rights, which is a very wise thing to do. Uh, you can uh, you can handle it like an adult and realize that there's a lot of sick people out there and you can't you know we live in a free country where people can say things that are terrible and sometimes even threatening and they get away with it. I know up until very recently, if you were to threaten a conservative host on Twitter, man, your chances of that post being up there till the end of time yep. are really high. You know, I've seen people that good friends of mine who work in conservative media have have had their not only themselves threatened but their spouse threatened, their children threatened. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what it's happened to me, it's happened to you. It's happened to way too many of us. I mean, I work with Glenn Beck, so believe me, I've seen pretty <laughs> much every threat available to man. Uh, you know, it's part, it's not that it's right. I mean, you know, certainly look, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is such a center of attention for whatever reason that sure there are, uh, I'm sure a few crazy people out there that, you know, wish to do her harm in some way. Uh, that's terrible, but that's also true for, uh, for Ted Cruz. And it's also true for Marsha Blackburn. And it's also true for every conservative up there. She's just like too insane to be able to to put it into perspective. 
99% of this stuff isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to take precautions when, when some of the stuff is. It does happen. I mean, I, and it's, and, you know, we're not, a, we all understand. I mean, you know, people who are in the Republican caucus went out to play baseball one day and had a Bernie Sanders volunteer firing weapons at them and almost killed 10% of all elected Republicans in Washington, D.C., that was just a couple of years ago. Brett Kavanaugh ha- almost was murdered in his home. We saw what happened with Pelosi's uh, husband. This is th- at some level. There are psychos out there and you have to be aware of this. But to, to, the way she talks about it, I mean, in her mind, she is the only person right. in the world. She's right. so focused on herself and herself only that she really does think that everyone wants to have sex with her and everyone wants to kill her and everyone's thinking about her all the time. She's just a lot less consequential than I think she really believes she is. How much of this is Alex Stein's fault? Yes, because this passive aggressiveness will not stand. AOC, this beautiful congresswoman, Alexandria (laughs) Ocasio-Cortez, was the same woman that was sexually harassed on the steps of the Capitol (laughs) by some madman. Really? Yes, she's just trying to go into work and some guy's over there talking about her big booty, some freak on the internet and this is done right in front of her own fiance so these these people these sick disgusting perverted people that are attacking aoc deserve to be in jail and i'm talking to the person that sexually harassed her on the capitol steps aoc AOC does not deserve this all right she needs security 24 7 we must protect her at all costs so she is the center of my universe, and she deserves to be. And I love you, AOC, and I'm sorry for these alt-right freaks on this table bashing you. Everything you're doing is exactly correct. Um, I want to go to, uh, you know, now that the midterms have happened, and I think much to everyone's, well, to our dismay and Democrats' surprise, they did better than expected and projected. Mm-hmm. And so now they're like, oh, wait. I guess we're running Biden again. I don't know, because these used to be the questions that Democrats would get and try to sidestep them and not answer them. And now, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi's out there telling ABC News that uh, Biden should run again because he's been a great president to our country. He's accomplished so much. Watch. You think President Biden should run again? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, president Biden has been a great president for our country. He has accomplished so much. Uh, 10 million jobs, over 10 million jobs under his leadership, working with the private sector, of course. Uh, he has uh, just done so many things that are so great. Name them. Uh, we need a lot more cho- uh, show to talk about. Money in people's pockets, vaccines in their arms, children back to school, people back to work, for starters. I, did you guys hear that clink? Yes, there's yeah. definitely a vodka glass that got clinked there. Right? Legitimately. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that I thought that was, was on our set. No, <laughs> that, that was, was on hers. hers. That, that was she, on hers. The ring. It's the glass. It's the glass. Right? Yeah. What do you got over there, Nancy? What do you got? What clear beverage is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not water. <laughs> well, you'd have to be drunk to think that Biden has accomplished so much. You would have to be drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, if you want to take a, a more positive view of what happened the other day, there is a view that you could take, which is, If there's a red wave, if there's a red tsunami, right, Republicans still can't do anything, Mm -hmm. right? They're not going to be able to pass any laws. They can block Biden, but we can block most of the stuff that Biden's doing with the House anyway, if you just get the House. Mm -hmm. Um, You would, I think, if things go poorly, which I... Every two alerts on my phone from news agencies are Amazon's laying off 14,000 people. Like it does seem to be like we're heading towards some real economic trouble here. And Republicans would get the blame if they were coming off a red wave. There's an argument to be made here that, 
you know, look, this isn't what we wanted uh, from as conservatives, but perhaps this winds up working working out a little bit uh, better in 2024. Um, you know, look, I think the results of uh, Tuesday night make it more likely Joe Biden is the one they run. You know, if this was a disaster, they probably would tell Joe, hey, you got to go home. Time to go to sleepy sleep. You know, go go hang with Hunter with some strippers or whatever. <laughs> I don't think, you know, that's less likely to happen now. And if Biden decides to run at 81 years old, there's a bit on Saturday Night Live this weekend. I don't know if you guys saw it where mm-hmm. it was like it was a horror movie tra- trailer where they were terrified that Joe Biden had to be the nominee. And then they looked at all the other options and realized they're even worse, which might be true. But like, I think. The, the possibility of somebody else rising up and being better than Joe Biden isn't exactly hard to imagine. I mean, he's terrible. So if what comes out of this is, you know, uh, a, situ- a situation where Republicans can avoid the downside blame and keep Joe Biden potentially as the nominee and maybe have a good runway into 2024, maybe this isn't the worst thing that could have happened. You know, I mean, I, I think like. I would have really liked to get the Senate to block the judicial nominees, and I think that's going to be a real yeah. problem for a very long time. So I'm not saying this is what you would – you wouldn't design it this way. But sometimes these things work out. You know, I mean, sometimes you realize, like, you know, if Mitt Romney won in 2012, we, we were all like, I can't believe Romney lost in Obama. But, you know, we, we had a, a pretty big awakening after that, and that probably wouldn't have existed. The Republican establishment would have had even more power. So I don't know. I mean, wow, I'm trying to find it. The, the, I'm, I'm trying to find the lemonade. I'm trying it. to find it. I'm trying. Wow. Yeah, but I have to just, you know, tell you that this is just pure political theater. Nancy Pelosi is the same as Raphael Warnock. I mean, none of these people wanted to get Joe Biden even to campaign for him. So they're going to give us the impression like, oh, yeah, he's our candidate 2024. But I'm telling you, the Hunter Biden leak, the Burisma stuff, the Chinese, you know, business dealings, they can only, you know, uh, hide that for so long. All of that is going to come to light. And I believe there will be some sort of humiliation ritual where Joe Biden will have to step down, but they don't want to make it seem like this is some sort of personal attack on him. So that's why now they're changing the narrative. We're like, oh yeah, he's our candidate 2024. And then all this bad stuff's going to happen. And they're going to be like, oh wow, we could have never saw this coming. And then Gavin Newsom will be the nominee and we're all going to probably burn uh, for eternity if that happens. Wow. What a world when Stu's the glass half full and Alex said we're all going to burn down to the ground. Interesting. Uh, all right, we've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, uh, My Patriot Supply. So America's diesel fuel shortage. It, uh, it's happening, guys. We have less than 25 days worth of fuel left in our national reserve. I don't know if you guys realize how big of a problem that is. If trucks cannot deliver food to your local grocery stores, you're going to have food shortages that make COVID and all of the toilet paper shortages seem like a distant, fond memory. You've got to make sure that you are prepared. you got to go to preparewithnews.com. You can save $250 on a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. They've got it all. They've got the breakfast, lunch, dinners. Uh, They're going to make sure that you get enough calories to survive. And... A lot of people are like, oh, well, I'll wait. I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait until it gets bad. No, the point is that you got to be prepared so that when all of this happens, you already have it stored at your house. Don't wait. And by the way, they're going to ship it to your door in unmarked boxes so your neighbors can't come over and scavenge because they know you're the one who prepared and they didn't. You can go to, again, that's preparewithnews.com uh, right now. Do not wait until it's too late. Preparewithnews.com. Justine Fonti, an intersectional health educator who runs a 
porn literacy program for adolescents, so you know the story's wow. getting good here. She claimed on a recent panel that uh, porn can actually be good if uh, sex education, uh, well, porn is good for kids, basically. Let's educate them about uh, porn. Watch. I believe my co-panelists will agree with me based on what we do and how we do it around porn literacy, um, that porn can be good if sex ed is good. There is a difference between media and sex ed. Porn is not sex ed. Sex ed can include topics around a variety of things like music and around film and around commercials and how gender stereotypes are perpetuated. But these two things are not synonymous. And when, you know, people are just saying we need to just ban porn and it's always bad and it leads to addiction. These are very big generalized statements that people are making. It's about managing. It's about understanding and being literate. It's about being more aware of the beautiful ways that porn was invented to be this fantastical, <laughs> wildly unrealistic tool we can use to explore our emotions and our bodies in ways that aren't represented in mainstream media. Did she just take public speaking classes from Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? <laughs> I have no idea what she just tried to say other than porn is good. Literacy? Well, what do you, what, what, how can you be literate? You know what, I don't want to well, well, I I know. Wanna, Never mind, I don't want to know. For me watching this, and I can be totally off, but I think the point she was trying to make, and I'm just, I'm totally reaching, grasping for straws. You go into a museum, like, you know, the early painters always paint, like, naked women, right? Uh, you know, I guess there's, like, something artistic about that. Like, I guess that's part of culture or something. So I'm just guessing that she's trying to, like, extrapolate that into how porn should be a part of her culture now to teach kids about sex. Well, I think that's her point. That's well, let me, let me give you a couple high points of one of her previous classes. So she had been teaching classes on porn literacy again. But I wait, but porn literacy, like literacy means learning how to read or write. So that's like, what I'm saying. It doesn't make sense. That's why yeah. I said literate. What do you mean literate? How, how yeah. would you like for these kids to be literate in porn, right? That's where, yeah. you're, that's where your head's going, yeah, right? I okay, hold on. She had been, she resigned from her post at Columbia uh, Grammar and Preparatory School, by the way, which cost $47,000 uh, to get into. She had been teaching these classes on porn literacy to juniors. The class included lessons on how porn takes care of, quote, three big male vulnerabilities, uh, end quote, statistics on the orgasm gap. Um, and, uh, you know, let's see, it also included a list of the most searched pornographic terms of 2019, including, make sure they're... Probably children. I should have given you this warning five minutes yeah, ago. Yeah. Don't let children in the room for this uh, this, this one. Uh, these terms, including cream pie, anal, gangbang, stepmom, and more. And one of the, the, the genres uh, was like incest-themed, consensual or vanilla, barely legal, and kink <laughs> and BDSM. So I, Wait, I suppose consensuals lumped in with vanilla. Like I, <laughs> oh, this is boring thing where they agree to it. Yeah. Oh, jeez, all, all, all like consensual. No. Same I people was, who formed the Me Too movement. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. And what? What? This is a what level of schooling? Juniors in in high school. Yes. I mean, I, first of all, there's no obviously there's no legitimate reason to have a porn class, uh, but uh, to be doing it in a in a, in a at a high school level, it's it's fascinating. They, like the the biggest thing I take away from this is that the English language doesn't 
mean anything anymore. <laughs> like, poor it's literacy is infantastical. Yeah. Right. It's just like you just say words like in this jumbled mess, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then just assume everyone's going to go, "Oh, well, she's enthusiastic about that." Yeah, I agree. I, well, you know, it's, you're an idiot if you agree, <laughs> and that's that. Idiot still means something, I think, in this country. Yeah. I. So that's. Literate, porn literate. That's what uh, that's what it means, Alex. It's the most disgusting thing in the world. But where are they teaching that, and how do we enroll? You got to go back to uh, high school, unfortunately. Alex. Well, Billy Madison. That was always a good movie. I don't <laughs> mind going back for one class. I mean, <laughs> I, no. But seriously, on a serious note, this is this is like you know we always talk about the sexualization of children and stuff. This is so weird. It doesn't even make sense that people like this are actually being serious. Porn, you know, for whatever it is, you know, it's like disgusting. It's two people, you know, making, not making love, having sex. There's nothing like literacy or literate or, you know, uh, good about it. And so is this so like, you don't see the literacy value in cream pie? No, I don't. Really? And as a person that's an expert in it, you would think I would be able to find <laughs> that. But no, you can't find I'm just saying there's, there's nothing redeeming. And, and in my mind, I want to be sick. I want to oh be like, oh, God. maybe you show the guys a, a Playboy magazine or maybe you show a girl a Playgirl magazine. I'm just trying to think, like, what would be the class? What would the classroom be like? But if you're going to go there and show children hardcore porn, that should be a crime. And these teachers should be in jail. I just think Alex is trying to get me fired. No, um, I'm just trying to think of an application of how you teach kids about porn. I, I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. Okay, so as we're going through the left uh, attempting to just completely ruin children, um, all of your children, really, they, I want to go through uh, an Associated Press article. This is a weird, weird article from the Associated Press that details accounts of trans-identified individuals in Singapore who are not able to change their gender markers on their IDs and legal documents without undergoing the torture of sex change surgeries, they say. So remember... Uh, sex changes young, good. Sex changes adulthood, where you can consent, bad, is mm. apparently uh, what is happening right now. So, uh, by the way, a portion of this actual article reads, across the world, scores of countries still require transgender people to submit to such surgeries before their genders are legally recognized, a practice international human rights bodies have condemned as torture. Hmm. Interesting, because we're having that same battle in uh, the United States, and we are told that it is uh, gender-affirming care to go ahead and allow young children who are not ready to make those sort of life-changing, life-altering decisions to do things like, uh, you know, make sure that they don't go through puberty, uh, to have double mastectomies, to do all of these things. But now we're told it's torture if you do it when you're an adult and can consent, I guess, Um, which is peculiar, because I would just also like to throw in a completely unrelated story about a 10-year-old boy who uh, walked into a nurse's office in New York over at his school and asked for some Vaseline because he got a new tattoo with his mother's permission. And do you know what that mother, uh, what happened to that mother? She was arrested. Yes, she was arrested. So you can get arrested in this country, for, which, by the way, I agree with. You can get arrested in this country for allowing your 10-year-old to get a tattoo, but um, you can be celebrated if you allow your young teen to go in and get their breasts chopped off. Incredible. Great work, America. I do think that there, there's pushback on this. I think it, it's, you know, at some level it's changing a little bit. And I, 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 it can't just be us, right? It can't just be people at the blaze saying, hey, this is really bad. But it's got to be wider than that. So let me give you the story. This is from the New York Times today. Mm-hmm. And if I were to tell you, I've got a transitioning story, a story about transitioning, uh, written by the New York Times, authored by their star Me Too reporter, the one who broke the story on uh, Harvey Weinstein. Okay. Okay. You'd probably think, oh, God, this is going to be, you know, liberal. Listen well, to this. Yeah. They paused puberty, but is there a cost? 
Puberty blockers can ease transgender youth's anguish and buy time to weigh options, but concerns are growing about long-term physical effects and other consequences. And it's all young kids mm. took puberty blockers, 9, mm -hmm. 10, 11, 12 years old, and now are having tons of issues later on in life. The fact that the New York freaking Times is writing that story, I think is a real positive. You know, I, I hope that this is going to become more wide, more mainstream. More, I mean, because I think everybody knows it's true. And there's a certain part of our society that will get, because of the vibes out there, you know, everyone's saying it's, oh, it's gender-affirming care. You repeat that enough times, there's a certain part of our population that's going to say, yeah, it's gender-affirming care. Abortion is health care. They'll right. just go along mm -hmm. with this crap after a while. We do need mainstream sources that people on the left trust to be able to point this stuff out and show all the negative effects because they're they exist and they're and they're very prominent and i think as more of these kids in this era who've gone through this grow up to adults there's going to be a lot of big lawsuits flying around and that might be the only thing that stops this and there already is you have chloe cole who's yeah. a detransitioner who's suing we spoke to her last yeah week. and we you know you had her on the program but this is the problem and this is the glaring problem in my opinion is that there's a very small, it's point like zero 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 one percent of children that are born intersexed or with some sort of, you know, both genders, you know, hermaphrodite. And so that's why they have these applications. That's why they have puberty blockers. That's why they have even gender reassignment therapy for a young person because of the very small amount that of people that are born intersex. So in that circumstance, it would be better to get the child on hormone blockers or do the surgery at such a young age so they don't even know what their gender is. So they just, they just grow up in their gender. They're taking that application and now putting it to six and seven year olds that have already matured a little bit. So it doesn't work. It, it, it's like it's totally rigged. And I think it's just Captain Obvious when New York Times has to be like, maybe it's not good to give nine year olds, <laughs> know. you know, hormone therapy. And then they, they're stuck with a nine year old penis the rest of their life. Or maybe it's not good for an 11 year old girl to cut off her breasts. You know, and, and these are just obvious things yeah. where they took a thing, which was a serious medical application. And they realized, oh, my gosh, these procedures are going to have a million visits. And this is another way for us to make money. So it's been corrupted by some sort of like satanic, you know, um, evil corporation trying to make money off the lives of young children. And that could be a conspiracy. But like I said, there was an application for all this stuff. Yeah. And now it's being misused on young children. By the medical industrial complex. <laughs> we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yeah, and it's like... Moderna and Pfizer have launched clinical trials to uh, track how pervasive the heart problem has become in young adults and teens. And of course, I'm talking about myocarditis. This comes, I mean, they are like ahead of the curve here, Moderna and Pfizer. They've only injected people with their vaccine. I mean, millions and millions and millions of people uh, worldwide. So it's good to know that this vaccine that they promised everyone was definitely safe and effective. Uh, there were no consequences, no harmful side effects that you should consider. It's good that, you know, two years later, now we're hearing about clinical trials to determine if we may have made an oopsie. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. And I'm sure that we can, uh, we can know that all of these studies will be, you know, adequately done, no conflict of interest. Nope. And you have Pfizer studying their own vaccine and whether or not it has long-term consequences. They, I mean, look, they're not going to cook the books or anything. So everything's going uh, really great, as I mentioned earlier, guys.
And I'm talking to Mr. Vaccine here, Mr. so I can't, Vaccine, I can't yeah. wait to hear what he has to say about it. Well, let me cut him off real quick, because yeah. I just want to say this. It's funny, though, we talk about this myocarditis, and first of all, the vaccine is safe and effective for everyone, even though shellfish is not safe and effective for everyone, even though almonds are not safe and effective, even though peanuts are not safe and effective for 7 billion people. This vaccine is. But I just want to say, I know a lot of people that are vaccinated that are totally fine, A-OK, Stu, it doesn't matter. But the, my problem is, what's most glaring about this, is the young children. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones. I know a bunch of 60-year-old men that got the vaccine. They're fine. They're on their third booster. They're playing golf. They're fine. But then I hear stories of a 17-year-old soccer player having a cardiac arrest. That's where I'm upset is that even though it's safe and effective for these older type people, it doesn't seem that's the case for younger people. Well, I mean, I just, you know, I, I just wish, like, they could have been a little bit more transparent with the American public that, like, hey, guys, this is, uh, again, want to remind you, unlike any other vaccine we have ever produced, and also the requirements were unlike any other vaccine ever produced, so we don't know the long-term consequences yet. You got to weigh your, right, risk versus benefit, and you make your own decision, but we don't know what we don't know. They didn't do that. Yeah, and I... I, I I, you basically could have been quoting me, I think, talking about the vaccines here. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, you should, A, be upfront and give people as much information. And this is why you don't require people to take it. This is why you don't right. threaten them with their livelihoods. Right. And, mm-hmm. like, if people want to take it, then you let them take it. Uh, you know, any new drug that comes on the market, there's always going to be an argument about long-term uh, effects. And it's hard to, in some ways, it's hard to suss that out, right? We don't have 40 years of data on anything. And if, and if you wait for 40 years for a drug that might help people mm-hmm. to go through 40 years of testing, you're not, you're gonna, there's gonna be a lot of people who could have been helped, right? Mm. I understand uh, why these things are difficult, but this is why you let human beings make their individual minds up about what they put in their bodies, right? That is uh, something that is, I think, really important. Uh, and. It, even if you like the best way for this to, to any any drug to take hold, I think, is you put it out there and you let people. It's just like technology. You let the, the early adopters be like, hey, I, I trust right. I trust this company. I, I think this I've read the research. I think this is really positive. They try it. It goes hangs around for a few years. People who are more skeptical, they might jump on the boat at that point. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Some people will never want to do it. That should be fine, too. This is why we have a society. of. It's not a, a collective this is not a commune. We don't all make decisions for everyone else and base our decisions on what the group says. We make decisions for ourselves. We make decisions for our families. And once you set that border up, which is like the border that was set up when the country was founded, if you have a society that runs that way, you don't run into these problems where people are getting angry about taking it or not taking it. You don't get people who are like, you're killing grandma. And you don't get people who are saying, how dare you force me to do it. You don't get that conflict because everyone makes up their own mind. Right. All right, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back. A new study from ZipRecruiter shows that uh, journalism is the most regretted college major. 87% indicated they would choose another major if they could. (laughs) The next seven most regretted majors were communications uh, at 64%, (laughs) education at 61%, marketing, management, and research at 60%. Uh, medical clinical assisting, 58%, political science and government at uh, 56%, and then biology and English language. Wait, read those literature. top four again. It is journalism, journalism communications, communications, education, education, marketing. Marketing. That's like our jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you combine those four things, that is exactly <laughs> what we do, we do for a living, and it's the biggest Every waste day. in America. It sucks. 
It really sucks. <laughs> it's what, well, Alex doesn't drink, but he should. Well, no, but <laughs> I really you should. You to be in this industry. Yeah, well, and, and, but it's funny, though, you talk about the communications, which Primetime 99 from LSU, one of the most uh, esteemed colleges in the world. Not really. It's actually White Trust College. But I don't know if we can say that. <laughs> My point is, everybody that goes into communications, they want to be the Glenn Beck until it's time to put on the camera and press record. It's not that easy. Right. So yeah. I guess my point is a lot of people have, you know, these big dreams. Oh, I'm going to get into college. I'm going to study this. Really what it comes down to, if you want it, go get it. You don't need some college degree. You don't need any of this, you know, bull crap. You can basically learn anything on YouTube. So if you want it, go get it. Don't let some college teacher tell you. Yeah, I definitely did not go to school for journalism. And here I am giving you the news every day. If I can do it, you can too. Uh, all right, gentlemen, Super Gear, Alex Stein. Thank you guys. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.